This is Psych Wine and Pop Culture. I'm Dr. Heather. I have a PhD in psychology. And I'm a professor in Southern California. And I'm Kristen, former news reporter and grad student in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. Join us for a glass of wine, providing a psychological perspective on popular TV shows and movies. And candid conversations about mental health. This podcast is not meant to replace or supplement medical advice from a health practitioner. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only. Do you think that this first week of January has lasted longer than the whole year of 2020? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I feel like a lot of stuff has happened. I don't know. It feels like time is just not what it is. Like, I feel like things go fast, but then they also go really slow. And then you have all the social climate things going on. It kind of feels like we're going back in time in a sense. It's kind of weird. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I think that the inauguration can't come fast enough. But just to let everybody know, Heather and I are taking advantage of the time I have before I start my second semester of grad school. So we're recording some episodes ahead of time. So I have more time to edit them throughout the semester. And this is one of those episodes. Just a few days ago, our capital, our U.S. capital was stormed by a mob, much of which was, um, I would say, populated with white nationalists. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just been a really shocking week. And another impeachment might be pending. It's just a lot to handle right now in the news. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on. And I feel like this kind of has to do with our episode topic of, you know, with everything that is going on, we want to know in real time what's happening. And sometimes we can't get the answers as fast as we'd like. Yes, I think that in an age of technology, smartphones, social media, information or you know any kind of thing that we want is so easily satisfied in such a timely fashion like you said in real time Mm -hmm. and so you know this need for instant gratification just keeps happening you know I think that those things feed into it don't you definitely definitely I think also whenever we experience emotions too. Like I I would say, you know, a lot of people are disappointed. They feel uncomfortable. They are probably worried. And even more so, you want to have that information to kind of, you know, regulate how you feel to feel better or to feel like, you know, there is like a hope or there is some future. Not everything's going to go into chaos. Yeah, it's kind of hard to wait and delay that instant gratification. But that is what we're talking about today. Instant gratification why do we expect to have what we want when we want it? So we're going to share some different needs associated with social media and what are the benefits of delaying gratification. So, you know, like I was saying, I think in today's technology-driven world, there's this constant need to have the latest information or need to connect with others, especially now during this pandemic when we're all distanced. Totally. Not being around each other as much. And so I think even in some cases, these needs can affect our emotions. And I know you found some research, and I tried to help you a little bit with this one, you know, research talking about how there are many different needs that people aim to satisfy. And some of our basic needs must be satisfied to even feel content. So I think you sort of let the answer slip on this one, but 
do you think in this day and age with smartphones and technology, do you think social media feeds this urgency to have our needs met as soon as we have them? Well, you know, (laughs) with this podcast, you know how it goes. We can't just go ahead and answer and say yes or no. You know, we have to kind (laughs) of look at the research, look at theory and see how we can answer these really tough questions. Yep. So why don't we start first with defining gratification? I feel like the instant part is pretty self-explanatory, but can you define gratification for us? Yeah, I thought it would be important to define gratification because, I mean, you can kind of know what it is, but I wanted to look it up myself because I was like, do I really know what it means? And when I looked it up, I think I had a better understanding of what it really meant. So gratification is basically a source or something that gives pleasure to us. Either we feel satisfied, and in some cases, we indulge. So gratification could be satisfaction. Whenever, you know, you finish your meal, for example, you feel satisfied, you feel content. But then also it could be you feel satisfied when you connect with others. You feel that need is satisfied. But then also, like I said, indulging. I feel like with social media, that's a big thing. You know, I think a lot of us indulge when it comes to social media. Yeah, I think indulging means to kind of take that satisfaction a step further. Maybe in some cases it can become extreme. Yeah. It's okay, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all guilty of it. Oh, yeah. We're totally guilty of just scrolling endlessly forever and ever. And then you're like, oh, wait, it's two hours later and I'm still scrolling on Instagram. (sighs) Doom scrolling. Oh, my goodness. Yes, exactly. So basically, before we answer the question, so does social media kind of reinforce or feed this need to have that instant information? I think it's important to talk about, you know, some theories in psychology that kind of explain what's happening with us. For example, a lot of people probably heard of Maslow's hierarchy theory. Do you remember that? If you take a psychology course, maybe you did, Kristen? Yes, I remember. I've actually learned about Maslow's hierarchy theory in a couple of different classes. One was even in an English class. Oh, really? mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So if you guys remember from taking a psychology class, you could probably look it up online, but it's like this little triangle looking thing, pyramid, and it has different needs. But the theory that I'm talking about today is a modification of that theory. So this theory is called ERG theory. It stands for existence, relatedness, and growth. So it basically divides needs into more broad categories. So existence basically relating to just like the basic needs that we need, like the physical needs. So, you know, we have to eat every day to feel energy, right? Mm -hmm. We have to drink in order to survive. You know, if we want to be warm, we have to have safety. We have to have shelter. So that's our, our existence needs. Yeah. Then we have relatedness, which goes into like more of the social aspect. So, you know, we have to connect as human beings. Otherwise, you know, a lot of us can go crazy or we just feel lonely. (laughs) So I I think I definitely need that myself. So we always want to connect with others. Or even in some cases, I feel like we want to feel part of a group. You know, I feel like we do that a lot. Yes, We're, we're wanting to find our tribe. Exactly. Yes. And I think we found our tribe with this podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) all right and then the last one's growth so this is more um it's kind of like a higher level need it's more about once you kind of have all these needs met the growth need relates to your personal development so 
Like, let's say you want to be more woke, for example, <laughs> that would be more of a growth need. Yeah. Or if you want to have a successful career, that's more of a growth need. Um, basically, what this theory is overall stating is that basically they all occur at the same time. So even though Maslow's theory stated that we need to have food first before we have other needs. This theory is basically stating that everything happens simultaneously. So you can probably go without food for a little bit and still want to connect with people. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. So we could all have these needs all at the same time, which I think goes into social media. I feel like social media feeds all these needs at the same time. We want to exist, right? So we want to have like that safety we want to have like that shelter of you know being heard which goes back to relatedness we want to connect with others we want to be able to feel like we're part of a tribe and even in some cases you know social media can really enhance our growth you know i feel myself oh, yeah. you've you've taught me a lot about social media honestly and i feel like that enhanced my personal development like i didn't know all of the things that you could do with social media so i feel like social media feeds all these different things yeah, I think that people who aren't really into social media, they're not huge users of it. There are people out there that like they don't see a point in it. And I think that, you know, before I was kind of teaching you about all these different needs that social media can meet, you were kind of like one of those people. You're like, I don't want to spend my time scrolling. I don't want to spend my time doing this or that. Mm -hmm. Like I could be outside or I could be doing that. And I'm like, wait a second, Heather. Like I know it kind of seems superficial. Mm -hmm. But there is a good point to social media. It can help us feel more connected to others. It can help enhance our platform for this podcast, which, you know, is really important for you for this podcast to grow. Um, you know, it can help us find other people who are interested, like I said, connectedness, who are interested in the same things we are. I mean, there's so much. And then sometimes you just go on there and you're like, again, back to the connectedness. It's such a huge part. When we connect with people who listen to us, it feels good. Mm-hmm. That is true. It does. It does. It feels good when we find people who have similar values or, you know, think the same way that we do. Like, oh, I'm not the only one that thinks this. You know, I feel like social media has definitely enhanced that for me because I used to think I was the only one that was passionate about mental health. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know? And I, it kind of makes me feel better that other people are, too. So, you know, it's kind of nice. So do you want to share the research that we found in that article I shared with you about Snapchat? Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting that it was specifically looking at Snapchat, but the article broke it down into several different needs that we engage in specifically with Snapchat and other social media similar to it, like Instagram and things like that. So one of those is passing time, which I'm definitely guilty of it. I feel like I use social media to just like mentally check out sometimes. Mm hmm. Either I'm like at the doctor's office and I'm bored and you'll see me, I'll go on social media. It's just like the pastime. So I think definitely we do that a lot. Um, other need also is companionship. So it kind of goes back to what we were saying before. You know, there is that need to connect. So feeling companionship, having social interactions with others, especially with this pandemic, I feel like social media maybe has helped some people mm -hmm. because if we didn't have it, imagine how would it be like what if this pandemic happened like 50 years ago how would you connect with people yeah how did they connect whenever like the flu pandemic happened or like all these other ones you know in the early 1900s like what did they do how did they maybe it didn't matter to them as much because our needs were a little bit different back then maybe they didn't feel the need to connect with anyone more than just their 
family that they were, you know, quarantined with. That's a good point. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's But wouldn't you think there'd be some people that, you know, just need to connect with someone else and they couldn't? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. But some other needs also is escape. So, you know, if you're feeling, I feel like I've done this before when, you know, let's say I'm feeling, you know, unhappy and I just don't want to feel unhappy right now. I'll go on social media and just look at funny stuff mm-hmm. for hours. Yeah. Um, and then enjoyment and excitement are also used for social media. So I feel like those two are similar, but they're, you know, different. So enjoyment is just to kind of, you know, look at things that you like. But then excitement, I feel, is like whenever you want to kind of know more about something or you get excited because, let's say, one of your close friends posted something about you, for example. So I feel like they're they're similar, but they're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. The last ones are relaxation and information. I don't know. Do you use social media to relax? (laughs) I don't think I do anymore, which kind of makes me question, like, when was this article published? (laughs) I think it was 2017. Oh, okay. It's not that old. Mm -hmm. It's pretty current. I don't, I wouldn't say things were as crazy. We didn't really know how bad it was going to get until a couple years later, so... (laughs) yeah yeah so i think i mean maybe some people still use it to relax i don't i don't think either but information i think especially like what we've been talking about in the beginning of the episode i feel we use you know social media or snapchat instagram to be informed to see you know what's going on in the world you know you know what's the latest trends for example or you know what's happening you know socially or politically so i feel like information is probably the top one right now you know what i think i find most interesting about what we're talking about here with this research article done about snapchat is that we're studying social media but we're using like these older theories and these older ideas that came out like decades ago as the groundwork for these studies i know i know it's kind of crazy i know it's weird but You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs came out in the 40s, 1940s, and ERG theory modified Maslow, as I said before, and that one was in the late 60s. So the reason I chose to discuss ERG theory is because there's actually research to back up that needs are not hierarchical, like we don't have to have food in order to feel like we belong with others. It's actually simultaneous, like it doesn't matter, we can have any of these needs at any one time, which I feel like social media is definitely like that. Yeah, and then, and so like what these researchers are telling us is like they're proving that theory yet again, but using social media to explain it, which is crazy because imagine so like look they don't they didn't know back in the forties and they didn't know in the late sixties that social media was even gonna exist. So imagine having to explain to somebody in even in the late sixties what social media is. You're gonna oh have to gosh. explain what the internet is. You're gonna have to explain. You know what I mean? There's like so much to fill in. So could you imagine like telling them, you know, this theory is gonna prove like something that you can't even comprehend right now? Am I just is this like high thoughts right now? Like high people thoughts or <laughs> <laughs> some baked thoughts? <laughs> no, I think that's a, an actually an amazing thought that you know. I don't think you can fathom, like back in those days, 1960s or even the 1940s, what social media is. I mean, back then, the television was the most f- highest form of technology they had. Right. And to, I, I, to, I think to tell them, like, hey, you can talk to someone in India in a matter of seconds. 
they would be like, what? Yeah. And then that, you know, social media fulfills all these basic needs that they're, you know, that they're talking about in their groundwork Mm -hmm. studies. Mm -hmm. And we're proving that with social media. So I, I don't know. I just think this is the kind of stuff that I think about, like, especially I love when like newer age things are proven with like older theories. I mean, it's it's good to have like up to date information. I think that people are, they keep trying to modify and to mm-hmm. make better, like with the times, because there are yes. plenty of theories that I've read about that, you know, they they kind of change or modify just because you know it's no longer applicable to the social climate that we're in. And I love that you said that because. Um... Again, that's why I chose ERG theory, but I didn't hear about it until I would say like a month ago. And I didn't even, I was not taught it in my undergrad. I was not taught it in graduate school. And we were taught Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which actually doesn't have any research to back it up. So I'm like, wait, what? What? (laughs) Anyway, I wanted to make note real quick before we move on to delayed gratification. This little note that you made here when you were talking about the needs that we engage in with social media and Snapchat specifically, that some research noted that Snapchat users who were in romantic relationships shared high amounts of jealousy. I just thought it was funny. But I mean, not in a bad way. I'm sorry, guys. I just like, oh, wow. Like, if you think about it, so passing time as a need, if people engage in it a lot when they're romantic relationship, think about it. If you see your boyfriend or your girlfriend and they're just on their phone instead of spending time with you, yeah, I'm going to be jealous. So delayed gratification. There is more I want you to talk to us about here. Um, I can remember briefly something called a marshmallow test. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be interesting to also talk about delayed gratification. I think we talked about instant gratification a lot with social media. And yes, social media is like that instantaneous feeling. We get that communication, we get that information. But what's delayed gratification? You know, and what 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 can that look like? So yeah, you're right. The, f- the most famous test with delayed gratification is the marshmallow test. And basically what it is, you guys can look it up if you want to. They have some really... Um, I like I think they're cute actually but you see little kids and you just place a marshmallow in front of them and you say okay you know here's a marshmallow don't eat it um, when I come back I have to go do something but when I come back I'm going to give you another marshmallow so you're going to have two okay and you can only get the second marshmallow if you don't eat the first one and you just leave and you actually leave them there for like 10-15 minutes and see what they do. And what they just like stare at the marshmallow that they can't have until the adult comes back? <laughs> Basically, yeah. So there's a lot of kids like they're, you know, in their seat, moving around, you know, they're walking around, they're, uh, they're <laughs> licking the marshmallow, but not eating it. They're touching it. Um, some kids can't wait and they just put it in their mouth, which is hilarious. Oh, my God. What did those kids end up being like something bad later? They, maybe they got into a life of crime. No, I'm just kidding. I'm like reading way too much into it <laughs> because they couldn't wait for a marshmallow. <laughs> So basically what this marshmallow test is getting into is like what happens when we have to delay our need of wanting that marshmallow, right? So kids who were able to, you know, regulate themselves and like, okay, I can wait, you know, just look at the marshmallow or think about something else. Those students were tracked down at the age of 18 and it was found that they were able to resist temptation and had higher examination of scores when they were older. So because they resisted temptation, 
of eating the marshmallow, that gets into how they think. So they're able to think ahead. It's like, well, I could eat it right now, but it would benefit me to get another marshmallow. So that mental effort of looking into the future was kind of predictive of their future success. So a lot of these um, students who were able to do that had higher academic achievement. I would say in my adulthood, like that kind of thinking has benefited me. So mm-hmm. I, I see I see how valid, you know, this this study is. Yeah, I think it's um it's hard, though, you know, for the kids who just eat it. Right. Because it gets into like they just want that instant gratification. Right. They want the instant gratification and they're not able to delay that gratification. And, you know, what does that mean for them? Obviously, the study didn't tell us about like negatives, but they told us about the positives. And I feel like some negatives potentially could be that maybe, you know, these kids could be impulsive. So it's always better to kind of think through something before getting right into it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't always say impulsivity is the worst thing, but it is sort of like a predictor for other kinds of behaviors that could lead to bad things. Like, I don't know, the first one that comes to mind for me is addiction. You know, I would say addiction is very similar to instant gratification. Like when someone's addicted to something, they have like that temptation, they have that need that they want to feel that high, you know, and they fulfill it. And it's kind of like a cycle process. So I I can see definitely how addiction is related to that. I, you know, in a way, I'm kind of glad that we did this episode kind of like as a follow up to the Queen's Gambit where we did talk about addiction. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So, you know, we, we've talked about delayed gratification. We've talked about instant gratification. You know, still like we're in this climate where I think a lot of us are feeling a lot of anxiety because, you know, we're not going to know the outcome of a lot of things that are happening right now, you know, especially mm-hmm. in politics and everything that's going on so how do you just deal with it like how do you deal with that delayed gratification that we're pretty much forced to go into right now because we have to wait for things to happen we have to wait for information to come out we have to wait for this pandemic to to resolve we have to wait for a lot of things yeah it's hard you know because this is um a climate that we really have no control over we can't have the information as quickly as we want to. We can't end the pandemic, right? So something that can be helpful that we talked about in previous episodes is radical acceptance. We talked about this specifically with the pandemic. Remember that? Yeah, I I do. With everything going on with social injustice too, I don't know, it's hard for me like to know that racism is just not going to be completely gone in a way just because we're talking about it right now like we're just having conversations about it right now we're just getting people to open up enough to come to the reality of what things are Mm -hmm. it's it's hard and I'm sure like other people feel this way too it's hard to know that maybe even in our lifetimes there's not going to be a resolve to that and it's a little depressing you know I mean, I can see where you're saying, like, it sounds depressing, but, you know, if we don't do the groundwork now, then people in the next generations are going to be in the same spot that we're in now. Yeah. So you kind of have to think about it, that we're having these conversations, we're, you know, having this activism, this social awakening, so future generations don't have to feel this. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I get. I think that's a better way to look at it. I know it's depressing, and I know it's been a long time that all of this 
systemic racism, social injustice is happening. But unfortunately, whenever we have these big things, they require change and change doesn't happen overnight. Right. You know, it could take years. It takes a lot of work. And going back to radical acceptance, a lot of these things are out of our control. You know, the pandemic, we can't just, okay, everybody's cured or we don't have coronavirus, right? We can't just (laughs) say that. (laughs) Yeah. We have no control over it. So we have to radically accept that, you know, as of right now, I have to wear a mask to protect myself. I have to protect others. So just radically accepting that you don't have control over the situation and what information do you have now that can help you? Yeah, and I think that was helpful when we first talked about it. That was probably what our first candid conversation or second candid conversation. So, yeah, it was pretty early. I yeah, I hate, I hate hearing this over and over again now more than ever. Oh my God. Like, please, if I could just stop <laughs> hearing that saying. Um, but, you know, it's, it's true though with this is understanding radical acceptance. And I think bringing that into your life will help. And I know, mm-hmm. I know it's helped me. It's just, it's hard to get to that point to radically mm-hmm. accept. I mean, it takes effort, you know, it just especially kind of recognizing the situations in your life that you can't control. You don't have any, you know, say in it or you can't make any actions to change anything. So if you're continuously worrying about those things that have no control, that's when you engage in that radical acceptance where, okay. I don't have control over the situation, but what do I do have? What information do I have? And then what things can I do to make me feel better? You know, with what's going on with social, you know, injustices, you know, maybe to make yourself feel better or to make yourself like you're doing a part of something, maybe you can, you know, be more socially awakened, you know, do some research or, you know, go into activism. There's so many different things that can kind of help with that feeling of discomfort. Yeah, reading, learning more, watching videos, going on YouTube. I think I told you I I was just getting tired of it because I was like, okay, we need to find more stuff to watch for this podcast. And I'm like, why don't we ever see any people of color, people that look like us, you know, and yeah, that can be frustrating. (laughs) But I think it's helpful that a lot of these streaming services are recognizing that. So they're finding these stories for us to watch. And it makes us feel like we're kind of doing something because we're you know, learning more. um, And it's like at our fingertips. So yeah, yeah. And I would say, you know, for people who don't feel like they're represented in media or movie TVs and films, now having this, you know, maybe they'll start to recognize that people like the, you know, different people need to be recognized. And maybe if I was one of those groups, I would feel like, well, finally, you know, it would make me feel a little bit better but maybe a little bit frustrated at the same time. Yeah, that it's like barely (laughs) happening now and it's, you know, 2021. But anyway, to um, wrap up this little tangent, I will say though, we will have deeper conversations about this topic, about representation of marginalized groups in television and movies. Definitely. I can't wait for those, actually. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. But we hope that you um, enjoyed this episode about instant gratification and what you learned about social media. Please tell us what you think about this episode. We're always open to feedback. Either leave a comment or something like that on our Instagram or leave a review for us because those reviews help us get found, you know, on whatever listening platform that you're on. Don't forget Mm -hmm. to subscribe. And please share this podcast with a friend because if you love it, chances are they will too. 
Until next time. This podcast is not meant to replace or supplement medical advice from a health practitioner. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only. 